the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak. Thank God that uh, yesterday we covered uh, the life of Peter. Yeah? So we realized that Peter fell from his own steadfastness, but the Lord Jesus rebuilt him. And we've been taken on the journey of how uh, Peter uh, was helped by the Lord to realize how he needed to uh, be renewed. Um, because our faith journey is one of the heart and a spirit and a change of mind, and we can't actually renew ourselves. We need Jesus to lead us out of our weakness, out of our self-deception. And he is the one that leads us. He is our savior. I don't know if you have ever had this um, thinking that, oh, Jesus is my savior when I was uh, washed of my sins. Yeah? And then we think about, oh, Jesus is my savior. Uh, when we die and we need to be resurrected, he's my savior then. Right? But actually, he is our savior uh, from the beginning right to the end. Now, the funny thing is that most of the time we ask Jesus to be our savior when we need help from him. And probably it is hardly ever that we will call upon Jesus to be our savior for our spiritual self. Yeah? For our weaknesses. Uh, we have this, um, uh, this characteristic that we are a little bit impatient. Yeah? But the funny thing is, when we were so patient to pray for the Holy Spirit and we did not give up, then if we want to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, we need to have the same patience since we have experienced praying continuously for the Holy Spirit, we need to put, apply the same patience to grow. Yeah? Now, one thing I want to emphasize, we don't grow ourselves. We don't. It's impossible to grow ourselves. If we were capable to grow ourselves, then Peter would not say, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. He connects it together. Yeah? It means that we really need the Lord to be our Savior in order to grow. Yeah? So I think most of the time when we are in church and we are grow up in church, we have this uh, thinking that, oh, as long as I got some knowledge, yeah, I know the Bible a little bit better, right? I get a few teachings, then I will grow. We know that is not an automatic process where it's like education, you learn a few things, learn a few skills, practice those skills, and then you get there. It's not as simple as that. But it's simple if we believe and follow the pattern that Jesus lays out for us in his holy word. Okay? So let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 to 29. <clears throat> where should we grow? Where should we grow? How can we grow? Yeah? So in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 to 29, it reads... Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for, God, for our God is a consuming fire. Yeah? Now, one thing that we need to focus on, it says, let us have grace. Yeah? The grace that God has given to us. 
the grace of his promise to us, the grace of his mercy towards us. Now, when we believe that, then that is a very good basis for God to help us grow. But there is another component that we need to add into our heart. Here it says, by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Yeah? So the second component that we need to incorporate into our hearts, beside the grace, is that we need to have reverence and godly fear. You have to have two of them together. Yeah? If you just have grace, then the human heart tends to lean on his mercy, and then it's almost like it's a bit deceptive is that, you know, God, I know you want me to do this. I know you want me to become that, but um, I, don't, I can't do it. Yeah. So end up, we are spoiling ourselves. Right. So when we have God's grace, we need to bring out the reverence and godly fear that we need to have towards him, because that is the only way that we can allow our heart to allow Jesus to help us grow. So one of the things that we may find uh, useful is that because we believe Jesus is the one true God, and uh, in our thinking we find it that Jesus is our good shepherd, right? And uh, we, we sometimes lose sense of who this good shepherd is. Yeah, we know he is God, but in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, it tells us that for our God is a consuming fire. Yeah, That is actually quite useful because it stirs up a very important component in our heart that we should have, which is a fear towards God. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 11. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11, let's look at verse 1 and 2, and let's see the spiritual pattern that, needs to, 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 uh, that we need to have in order for us to grow. Okay? Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 to 2. Brothers, can you read? 1, 2, 3, go. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Okay, so we know that this is talking about Jesus, and Jesus having the spirit, this Holy Spirit rested upon him, yeah? And we know he had great wisdom and understanding, counsel, might, and knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. Yeah. So why is it that Jesus was able to grow? Yeah. Why was able Jesus able to grow? Why was John the Baptist able to grow? Yeah. Yeah. Both of them had the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Both of them had the Spirit, but they also had the fear of God. Yeah. So sometimes if we ask ourselves this thing, when we compare ourselves with what the Bible tells us, we know there are bits missing in our hearts. Even though we may have the Holy Spirit, what is it that we don't usually pray for? We don't usually pray for, God, fill me with the fear of the Lord. Now I have the Holy Spirit, fill me with the fear of the Lord. We don't usually pray like that. 
But you'll find when you ask God to fill you with the fear of Him, then your mind becomes a bit more sober, right? You become clearer. You treat God seriously, yeah? And you treat God with reverence. So when that is in place, when the Holy Spirit is filling you, but it's filling with a godly fear, then you will find that you are able to move in a way that is more pleasing in the sight of God. Now, how do we know this component is important for growth? Let's turn to Hebrews, yeah? Let's turn to Hebrews. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's look at verse 7. Yeah? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Now the thing is, when Noah, by faith, yeah, he was being divinely warned on things not yet seen, it wasn't a momentary thing. It wasn't like, oh, he had this experience, right? And that experience uh, had an emotional impact on him. And then that, inf uh, that uh, experience uh, left a mark on him, yeah? Usually when we, um, when we are stronger in our faith is that we're looking for this impact, this emotional impact. But Noah was different. It says, verse 7, read it carefully. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. Now, what does that mean? It means that when God told him he is, God is going to send a flood upon the world, he actually saw it before it happened. Does that make sense? Yeah? So it's like the Bible tells us that Jesus is coming soon. And we see the signs of his second coming happening, right? So when we put these components as true in our minds, by faith we believe in it, it stays in our hearts, stays in our minds, and we recall it, then the fear should continuously be in us. The godly fear will move us and pay attention. This is the true reality we are living in. But when we don't recall, conscientiously recall, we are not walking by faith. That is why we will find it very difficult to grow. But when we recall by faith, we will see what the Word of God has told us, and we become like a prophet to be able to see what is happening spiritually that will move us in the right direction with the heart of godly fear. Okay? So... We have established that in order for us to grow, we need to have grace and we also need to have godly fear. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9. Okay, sisters, can you read verse 9, please? One, two, three, go. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established by grace, 
not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. So in this verse, it tells us that in order for us to grow, we need to be established by grace. Our heart needs to be established by grace. Okay? Now, obviously, when you look at this, it says, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. Right? Obviously, if you believe in false doctrines, you definitely will not be established. You definitely will not grow. Okay? Now, the funny thing is that before we have even encountered, um, how should I say, false doctrines, right? Actually, in our minds, we have false thoughts, isn't it? Isn't it we have doubts, right? There are wrong concepts in our minds. And so basically, we are carried away with various and strange thoughts in our minds. That is why even though the grace of God is so clear, we cannot be established, right? So I, I've came across um, some brothers and sisters. Um, I mean, they don't truly believe that they have been saved by God, you know? They don't believe in the gospel. They don't believe in God's graciousness to continually forgive our sins, even though they have the Holy Spirit. So they're always like doubting here, doubting there, and rather than believing the word of God, they are following their feeling of doubts, right? So in order for us to grow, what do we need to do? Stop being carried about with various and strange thinking, yeah? You've got to stop it because this does not come from God. Your self-talk, right, yeah, is not from God. You need to receive the good doctrine, established on the word of God, and then you can be established by grace. Yeah? Um, I used to uh, talk to this uh, little sister, okay? And uh, she's a very fervent worker yeah, in the church, you know? And I asked her this question. I says that, are you saved? And she says, well, no. I says, what do you mean you're not saved? Have you done something wrong? I asked her. She says, no. Then if, 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 if you have not done something wrong, then why don't you believe you're saved? Okay? And then she says, I feel I have not done enough. Right? I feel I have not done enough. Well, that tells it all, isn't it? Why? Because the Bible says that we are not saved by what? Works. We are saved by grace. You know? It is what God does on us, that's why we are saved. We just receive baptism. We receive the Holy Spirit. We receive His Word. We receive His wisdom. We receive His commandments. Yeah? So it's what we receive from him that is why we are being saved. Does that make sense? Right? Well, let's turn to the Bible to make sure that is true. Let's turn to Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. These people were baptized. And then when we come to uh, verse uh, 47, verse 47... 
And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Does that make sense? Yeah? So after we are baptized, we are in Christ. We are being saved, right? So therefore, when we understand that we are being saved, then it cannot be so that God is going to save us halfway. God's intention when he saves us is he is saving us with the intention to save us to the end. Right? So when we have this sound doctrine, this is the basis by which we approach growth. Growth will definitely happen because that is the salvation plan of God. Yeah? Now remember, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, God says that I'm going to take you out of Egypt, bring you through, and then give you the promised land. It's already yours. Right? But the problem is that the Israelites did not grow in that grace because they didn't value the end thing that God wanted to give them, which was the promised land. They didn't value it. That is why they couldn't grow, and that is why they died in the wilderness. So today, it must be, we need to believe in the whole salvation plan of God, believe we are in the starting point, and then add all the grace of what God has done in order to ascertain this is God's grace. Now, if I add the fear of God, definitely I will grow. Yeah? Because it's all part of the signs and evidences that God puts into our life and heart and says that I am your Savior. Okay? Let's continue to read John chapter 1, verse 16 to 17. John chapter 1, verse 16 to 17. And of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so, as I say, we emphasize on grace, but we forget that what do we need to grow? We need the truth. Yeah, we need the truth. Have any of you experienced this as you're growing up, right? That the moment when you receive a hard truth about yourself, yeah, and then you reflect upon it, then you have changed. Does that make sense? Yeah? When you realize, you know what? It's time to mature up, isn't it? Yeah, because you realize that, yeah, I've been like this all the time. Yeah. And someone says to you, you know, you've got to man up. You've got to mature, right? And when that comes into your mind, what happens? You says, yeah, I get it. That's what I should do, isn't it? Yeah. So therefore, what we need from God, what we need from our Lord, is to give us the truth. Truth about ourselves, truth about his will, and that is when we are going to grow. Yeah. So that is important because, you know, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This is how we can grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. We need the truth, okay? <clears throat> okay, now this is the next bit that is important, right? Let's turn to John chapter 6, verse 28 to 29. 
So during Jesus' ministry, someone says to him, some people said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. So basically he says, what must we do? It shows that the questioners had not grasped Jesus' point that life, eternal life, was his gift. Okay? They didn't realize that. So it is like asking, what is to be our regular course of action? Yeah? What do I need to keep on doing? Yeah? So Jesus was not going to point that out. Oh, what do you need to do regularly? Yeah? Have you ever realized that, oh, you do things regularly, regularly, and you don't seem to grow? It is, isn't it? Like you read your Bible regularly, or you pray regularly, or you serve God regularly, you go to church regularly, fellowship regularly, but you don't seem to grow. Why? Well, it is because we need to realize what is the work of God. Where does it start? Now, do you know, notice when you look at John chapter 6, verse 28 and 29, look at it. The people were asking him the question was works of God, right? And then in Jesus' answer, it, he, Jesus turns it from the works, plural, to work of God, a singular, right? So Jesus replaces their works of God with the singular work of God, right? So what is the work? Is to believe. Yeah? Is to believe. When you are able to believe in the existence of God, that is the work of God. When you believe in the truth, that is the work of God. Yeah? So once you have that belief, that is God already working in you. Yeah? That's God already working in you. Yeah? So when you look into Romans chapter 10, verse 9 to 10, yeah? Romans chapter 10, verse 9 to 10. <clears throat> Romans chapter 10, verse 9 to 10. Brothers, can you read verse 9, please? Verse 9. 1, 2, 3, go that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Right? So basically these two verses says, well, if we believe in the first part, right, for salvation, then basically the other part will follow through. Because for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So, for example, right? We know that we believe in Jesus and when we are baptized, we are saved. So when we believed, we accepted the truth and we received the baptism. True? Right? We believe this is what God has revealed to us. We believe if we do it, we receive it, we will be saved. Right? Okay, the next bit. So we need the Holy Spirit. We beg God to give us the Holy Spirit. Even though we have not received it immediately, we keep 
begging God to give us the Holy Spirit, and then God gave us the Holy Spirit, true? And then Holy Communion, food washing, da 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 da, da right? So that means the way we can grow is to believe when God presents to us and we believe all the things that he helps us to do and presents us his will, we believe unto righteousness. We say is that, thank you, Lord. You have given me another part what I need to do. I believe this is part of the journey. This is part of the path for my salvation. Does that make sense? Yeah? That when we receive it this way, it becomes a lot easier rather than just a cold demand as if it's just a law yeah because god brought us not only the truth but also grace so therefore when we see that god gave us his uh his demands is actually part of the work of god to save us does that make sense yeah he reveals to us how we need to rely on him to become what he wants us to be it's a salvation thing it's not like yeah it's like a, it's not like condemnation it's not like put you down or humiliate you or make you feel useless it's not like that so when you believe unto righteousness and you take it that way then he says lord thank you i'm going to rely on you to work on this and so that I will grow. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay. Faith in the working of God. Okay? Now, this is a concept that we can find in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 to 12. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 to 12. Now, for those of you who are familiar with your basic doctrines, these two verses talks about baptism is a circumcision made without hands. When, when, when we are baptized, we were, buried, we were buried with him in baptism. And what happens when we uh, come out of the water, yeah, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So we believe this is what happens in water baptism, true? Yeah? We says that when a person goes into the water, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, their sins are washed away, they are buried with him in baptism, and when they come out of the water, spiritually, they are raised from the dead. They are a new life. They are newborn. They are born again. Does that make sense? Yeah? So when we look at them now, after they are baptized, we see them as a child of God. Okay? We don't see them as a sinner. We see them as a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God. Why? Through faith in the working of God. Does that make sense? Okay. So basically what you need to apply, since baptism is part of God's righteousness, and you look at baptism, oh, I go through this, then salvation is mine. Right? So Faith in the working of God means when you look at God's righteousness, God's commandments, you says, wow, this is how God is going to save me. He gave me his commandments. He gave me his law. He gave me his will because this is my faith. Faith in the working of God. This is how he is saving me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, how do we know this to be true? Let's turn to Hebrews 
chapter 11, verse 3. Now, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things are visible. Okay? So when we receive the truth, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Yeah? So, you know, when young, we, we, we understood that God created the heavens and the earth by his spirit, by his will, and by his word. Yeah? Now, we weren't there in the beginning. Were we there in the beginning? No. But when we heard the word of God, we know that is the truth. Yeah? Now, since we are capable of understanding, wow, our God created uh, the heavens and the earth, everything that exists by his spirit, by his will, by his word, how powerful is that? Right? Now, since we believe in God's creation, then basically when we receive the truth, we receive the framing of how God saves us. It's the frame. Yeah? So when we receive the word of God, God says, this is what happens when you do something of my will. This is what happens. Okay? So I'm going to give you another example, right? So isn't it true, I've said this again and again because I wanted to get into your mind, right? Isn't it true, the Bible says, that when we come to church, yeah, keep the Sabbath day holy, then God is making us holy. Is it true? Is it true? It's true, right? Is it true to say that if we just come to church, but we don't acknowledge with our heart, we are keeping his commandments, we don't acknowledge in our hearts, this is a holy day, then we are not being made holy. Is it true? Because we don't even believe. True? Now, isn't that a very great way of understanding how God works? All we need to do is believe what the word of God has revealed to us and act accordingly. Yeah? Let's do another one, shall we? Let's do another one. Isn't it true that when we were young, we were told we need to concentrate, examine ourselves, and believe that God will give us the Holy Spirit. And then when we prayed like that, this is how God will give his Holy Spirit to us. Isn't it true? Yeah? Framed by the word of God. Faith in the word of God. This is how God works. So when we understand how God works because he revealed the truth to us, we need to make up our minds, you know what? He did that when I followed this word. He did that when I followed that word. So therefore it must be when I follow the pattern, this is doable. I need to be convinced. Because me doubting has not done anything good to me. I'm depriving myself of God's grace for me to grow. Yeah? Belief is the work of God. So what is the grace that causes us to grow in holiness? Okay? So we know in Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44 to 45, uh, God says that... <clears throat> 
I am the Lord your God. Uh, be holy, for I am holy. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. How many of you feel that that is a demand that is quite difficult to fulfill? Yeah? Do you find, do you feel that it's very difficult to fulfill? It's that God says, I am holy, yeah? So therefore you shall be holy. Do you find it difficult to fulfill? Yeah? Now the reason why we may find it difficult to fulfill is because our heart is not in the grace. Yeah? We're not in the grace. Meaning that when God tells us, be holy, for I am holy, what is the underlying message? This is what I want to give to you. I want you to be holy like me. Does that make sense? Yeah? He is saying, I am holy, therefore you shall be holy. Because you don't read the word of God as if he is the old demanding God only, but he is speaking as a father to his children. Does that make sense now? Yeah? So therefore, when you read it within the grace of God and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, actually what the Lord wants to hand to us impart holiness to us. He wants to make us holy. That is why he wants us to obey his commandments. So is that a different thing, isn't it? So it means if we have this desire, I says, wow, I never realized that God wants to give me this gift to make me holy like him. Now that is salvation is already very great. But salvation includes that he wants to make us holy like him. Can you see that massive difference? So when you believe, then inside your heart it says, you know what, I really want to be holy like you, Father, because you've already made me like your child. So since I'm your child, I really want the rest of it. I want to be holy like you. So when you look at the commandments, it becomes the way to be made holy. Rather than just a standalone, oh, God gave us this command, therefore do it. When you receive the commandments of God with faith, and this is the faith in the working of God, he is saying, here, my son, here, my daughter, these are the commandments to make you holy. When you have the heart come to me, I'll help you fulfill it. That is the spirit of the gospel. That's his love towards us. It's not like a, a, a cold demand that says, do it and then do it yourself. No, it's not. When you read it within the gospel, it is God's kindness and God's gift to us to make us holy like him. So is holiness a demand or a gift? Yeah. Now we all know that according to Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it is a gift, isn't it? Right? It's a gift. So if we believe eternal life is a gift, then we have to read the rest of the Bible. I want everyone to read Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Let's read it together. One, two, three, go. For if by the one man's offense, death,
So can you see the word gift there? Yeah? So gift is a what? Gift of what? Gift of righteousness. So righteousness is not just a demand. Righteousness is a gift. It's a gift. Yeah? I think most of us doesn't, didn't actually think like that, but the enlightenment of the Word of God says righteousness is a gift. So if you want it, you can have it. Yeah? You gotta want the gift before you get the gift. You gotta have the desire for the gift before you can get it. If you have the desire, all you need to do is ask for it and it will be done for you. That is how salvation is supposed to work. Yeah? Okay? So, can you see that? Yeah? So, righteousness is a gift. It's a gift that God gave to you. Just like the Holy Spirit is a gift. Amen? It's a gift. The commandment is a gift. God's righteousness is a gift. Faith in the working of God. This is how we need to read God's righteousness. It's a gift to make us holy. So when we look into Romans chapter 6, verse 19, yeah, what does it tell us? Yeah, When is it that we will receive the gift of righteousness? When we make up our minds to be slaves of righteousness for holiness. Slaves of righteousness for holiness, right? I think all of us, when we were baptized, did anyone sign on a paper and says, I believe in Jesus, uh, all the doctrine of true Jesus church, and I am going to sign my life away to be a slave of God, to a slave of God's righteousness. Did anyone sign that piece of paper? Anyone? You didn't, did you? Neither did I. Neither did I. But then when I read the Bible, I says, Oh, I didn't sign on the dotted line to be willing to be a slave of God. I didn't sign on the dotted line and agree that I will be a slave of God's righteousness. I never. And I says, no wonder it's become so difficult. Because I didn't even have the heart to be a slave of God, right? To be a slave of God's righteousness. And then we realize we have been giving ourselves so much choice. That is why we can't grow. Because we're not willing to be a slave of God, slave of God's righteousness, true? So what is the point? The point is that if we believe in Jesus, we need to ask this question, was Jesus a slave of God, a slave of God's righteousness? Was he? If you think about it, yes, he was. He willingly gave his life, committed his whole life to the Father, to do all of the Father's will, even to die for other people's sins, to fulfill the Father's will. Does that make sense? Now, if you think about it, isn't that a slave? 
I know it's hard to think about Jesus like that because like slave like, is like derogatory, right? But that is the essence of Jesus being our savior. So that means total submission as a faithful servant in Jesus is our example how to grow. We've got to make up our minds whether we are going to be a slave of God Slave of God's righteousness. Yeah? That is the upgrade that we need to have in order for God to give us the gift of holiness and in the end, everlasting life. Does that make better sense now? Yeah? You will find it is because we did not commit to be a slave of God and his righteousness. That's why we don't grow as quickly as we want to. Yeah? But when you sign yourself down and says, you know what, God, I'm going to submit to you to be a slave, just like, you know, you gave us the example when you manifest in the flesh, I will, I will deny myself, I rely on your Holy Spirit to deny myself to be a slave of your righteousness. I'm going to stop thinking about my own righteousness because my own righteousness is not going to save me. I need your righteousness. Okay? So how can a person become a slave of God's righteousness? Now, when you look in Exodus chapter 21, verse 1 to 6, it describes that a servant or a slave, yeah, he had the chance to be free. But instead, because, you know, he loves the master, loves his wife, loves his children, uh, he's not, he doesn't want to go free. So he signs his life away and then gets his ear pierced and he is to be a servant to his master forever. So in order for us to grow, what do you need to do? You need to sign your life away. Actually, your life is nothing without Jesus anyway, right? So when you sign your life away and says, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of not growing. I want to be your slave. I want to grow, to shine for you, to glorify you. Lord, I'm willing to serve you forever. Yeah? Okay. So how can a person become a slave of God's righteousness? Like, because that's impossible. Right? So when you look into Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. Yeah? What does it say? Assuredly, I say to you. Isn't it? Assuredly, I say to you. Jesus says, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Right? Now, when we look at this verse, when we look at this verse, is Jesus serious about that? Or is Jesus using just a metaphor? Is it serious that this mentality to be converted, to become as little children... This is the only way to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's the only way, isn't it? Because Jesus said, unless you are converted, otherwise you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So today, since we take seriously, yeah, we take seriously the doctrine, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We take that very seriously. Then we need to take Matthew chapter 18, verse 3 seriously as well. It says, you know what? I'm going to stop doubting. I'm going to become a child, 
whatever God says, I'm going to do. I'm going to shrink myself back into a little child and says, I want salvation. He tells me to do this. I'm going to do it. Yeah? So when you talk about slave of God and to become a child, it is combined to be the right mentality in order for us to grow. Yeah? That helps us a lot. So let's look at uh, <clears throat> uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. In order for us to be a slave of God's righteousness, we need to lay aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, all evil speaking as newborn babes and desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Yeah? So can you see how the combination of the fear and the grace and the mindset and the faith and the framing of the, how God works and when we approach God's commandment, His righteousness is a gift coupled with the fact that the Holy Spirit will help us. How is it that we can be holy? Yeah? It makes perfect sense, right? So if your heart is moved and says, you know what? Thank you, Lord. Now I understand. I really want it. May God bless us all. Let's have a silent prayer. Amen.